Good times today, huh? Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, definitely the, the Lord is speaking to us about going higher. Just giving Him higher praise. What, is the, what does the Scripture say? The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Amen? And uh, I just want to encourage you, just spend some time. Uh, the Word comes into our hearts to build our faith up. Word's got to come out of our mouth, right? I will bless the Lord, so shall I be saved from my enemies. As, we, as the Word comes out of my mouth, it's called the sword of the Spirit, and that is our offensive weapon to release the things of God, to release the things of the kingdom in our lives. So just want to encourage you, just like we did this morning as Sean led us. Thank you, Sean. And as Jen's done that, just sing to the Lord. Sing a simple, simple song. Sing a new song. Sing a phrase that you know. And just sing to the Lord. You guys know that Advent basically just means, like, it's basically Advent. The whole idea of Advent is to prepare, to prepare our hearts for the Lord. And so we are carrying His glory to people. So, Kurt, that was a good word for us, just to carry His glory to people. But we're also just prepare our hearts to receive from Him. Amen? So keep cultivating that in your life. And uh, we'll have more fun on Sundays. The more we all do it during the week, the deeper we can go with the Lord here. So, uh, good times. Turn with me to the book of Colossians in the New Testament, after Philippians. I just want to read some verses in Colossians 2, and then we're going to jump over to the Proverbs. Today, I, I want to talk to you about, uh, I want to talk to you about managing God's money today. Management 101. Some real simple, some basics, and, uh, but I, I want to dive into that. Because here, we've been in a series if you guys remember, we've been in a series talking about God's desire to bring abundance to His people. Anyone believe that God wants to bring abundance in your life? Anyone? Yes, amen? That even in the midst of lack, we've been seeing that God wants to bring abundance. See, the Lord has been calling us. Remember I told you this months ago that the Lord spoke to me. This isn't just a nice series or a couple Bible verses and things like that. This is a prophetic word that the Lord is speaking to us. And I want to remind you. Why do I say this? Just because it's a nice introduction? No, because I am obsessed with loving you and empowering you with the Word of God and reminding you what God is saying. See, the Lord is telling us, I want to be your provider. He wants to break off the hold that this world system has on us, and He's been talking to us about the adjustments that needs to be, to be made in our life. He was telling me, David, prepare my people for abundance. Whether the economy goes up, and you're ready to receive the abundance that would be flowing in this economy, or maybe the opposite would happen. Maybe there would be a greater, a deeper recession. You guys know that that is a very huge possibility, right? That economists are saying, Dude, hello, is anyone watching the signs? Is anyone, you know, like these economists are like, no one's doing anything about this. Well, it's true. Well, are you ready? Are you believing God for abundance? See, haven't we been seeing how Isaac, in the midst of a famine, sowed in the famine and reaped a hundredfold in that same year? How did he do that? Because he had a covenant with God. We're not like everyone else. We're not to struggle like everyone else, to be afraid, to be anxious like everyone else. We have a God who's made promises to us. And Isaac heard the Lord, didn't he? We've been learning that if God is going to be our provider, we've got to hear the Lord. We've got to hear his voice. Remember Peter? Man, struggling all night, did not catch anything. And what happened? 
Jesus told him, cast your net on the, on the, on, uh, go out into the deep, cast your nets. Same lake, same fish, same boat, same net, same man, right? Same economy, same boss, same job. What changed it? The word of the Lord. That's how miracles happen. They don't just, well, you know, you know, I hope a miracle happens. No. We hear God and, it re- and we do what he says and it releases the kingdom of God. Isaac heard the Lord, sowed, reaped a hundredfold in famine. Peter cast those nets, nets full, right? Couldn't even contain all the fish that came to his net. Had to call over his friends, his partners, his business partners. They couldn't even contain all the, the blessing of the Lord, right? Remember Jacob? Jacob was working for Laban. Laban kept changing his wages again and again. But what happened? The favor of the Lord Jacob also heard God. When you read that story about Jacob, we saw this. That somebody could be trying to oppress you, change your wages, come against you, but God is for you. Amen? And that God is able to bless you in the midst of a a lack, in the midst of recession, in the midst of somebody trying to to wrong you, because He is your provider. And so we've been seeing this, these adjustments that we need to make. Adjustments like believing the Lord. Adjustments like um, thanking Him. We've talked about the fact that thankfulness Uh, both for our past, say, hey, yeah, Lord, thank you. You have provided, you're faithful, but Lord, I thank you for what's going to come. We've talked about that dynamic, that thankfulness is the language of faith. It voices our faith and releases God's kingdom. We've talked about the fact that that tithing, coming before the Lord to give Him the first fruits as an act of honor and worship because He's our Lord and our covenant God, that tithing, giving Him the tenth or the first fruits, the first part, it honors Him, but the blessing of abundance is always associated with that command to honor him. Amen? That you can't just, you can't say, oh yeah, I'm down with this abundance stuff, but I don't like that tithing thing. Well, when you read about abundance in the Bible, you can't get past the tithing, you know? So let's not ignore God's instructions, but let's make adjustments, amen? To believe him, to walk by faith, to be thankful and not grumble and not be worried and to sow into the kingdom. I was meditating on this passage in Colossians and uh, it just, it hit me. Uh, we'll start in, uh, in fact, we'll just start in verse 1. We'll read a few verses, but Col- I'm sorry, chapter 2, Colossians 2, verse 1. It just hit me that this is what we were kind of like, been, this is what we've been feeding on for the last couple of, well, even in the last couple of years as a church, but the last couple of months in terms of finances. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness in in Christ, the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Excuse me. Verse 6. And as you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, 
who is the head over all principality and power. Of course, there's just so much in that passage, but what struck me was that what we're learning to do is to be steadfast in our faith, to walk by faith, and that we're not talking, but we're not learning to, to do something apart from Christ. Jesus Christ is our foundation. He is our fullness. He is the soil in which our tree grows, right? He is our Lord. And, 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 and when we talk about believing God for our finances, we don't want to be deceived by humanistic philosophies, by human traditions, and we don't want to base things that we would do as a, as, a peop, as a people of God on the basic principles of this world. And what we have found is this, as we follow Jesus Christ as Lord, we can declare the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, right? There's no lack in God's kingdom. But you see how, I love what he says, he says, so follow Jesus, walk with him as your Lord. Stay rooted in Christ, rooted in the reality of who he is, Obviously, as, 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 as God and man, you know, the, he, Jesus Christ, the Lord, the, the one who died and rose again, rooted in who he is, rooted in who we are in Christ, and growing up, becoming more and more like him, we walk with him as our Lord. And everything we do, every, every way, every, the way we look at life, the way we perceive our money, the way we look at our relationships, the way we do things, okay, is all based upon the revelation of who Christ is and who we are in Him. The mystery of the gospel. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what Paul says. And so what we found is that, like like it says here in verse 3, that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and, and knowledge. Everything we need is found in Him. He is the Lord, the creator of everything. He knows everything about everything. And we can come to Him. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, right? James chapter 1. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and He shall direct your paths. These aren't just nice little Bible verses. This is to be our lifestyle, right? And we've said that, hey, if you're trying stuff, and you're finding, I can't get that job, I I don't know how to get that job, I'm I'm still struggling here. Yeah, we understand, it it is tough out there. But it's not bigger than our God. We shouldn't be the people saying, yeah, it's just tough. Uh, It's just just the economy. No, that's the context in which we get to believe God. Because man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We have God, we have the Lord Jesus who can speak to us about these things, right? And so, what we're going to talk about today is simple, um, some simple management. Because as we've said before, He is our Lord. As we've received Him as Lord, we need to stay rooted in that reality. He is my Lord. He is my provider. He is my Savior, right? It's not like, okay, oh yeah, you know, Jesus died for my sins, I'm forgiven. Okay, okay, now I've got to figure out this whole thing with, with, with my finances here. No, don't, don't be deceived by human tradition and the basic principles of this world. No, stay rooted in Christ as your Lord. And what we've been learning, of course, is that in this, in this, in this uh, dynamic, that this is abundance, this abundance is by His grace, amen? We're not earning, we're not striving, we're not trying to, trying to make God happy with us or, less, or make Him less mad with us, <laughs> right? No, His blessing is by grace and is abundant upon our life, Okay? But uh, we also need to steward this. We've talked about the fact, I, I love this metaphor, I talk about it all the time, that he's the owner and I'm the manager of my life. That it's not, okay, I need to manage my finances. I mean, I'll say it kind of like that. Since you are the manager, you are responsible 
for those finances. But the reality is, those who are in Christ have given their lives to Jesus. We died to ourselves, and we live no longer for ourselves, but for Him who died and rose again. Our life belongs to Him. It's Christ living His life through us. And so Christ is the owner. It all belongs to Him. And the reality is, we could talk about this in any aspect of our life, that Jesus is the owner, and I am the manager of my life. And of course, we don't compartmentalize our life. We wouldn't say that Jesus is over here and I'm over here. No, He's over everything, amen? He's over the whole thing. But we could focus in on different aspects of our life, couldn't we? And we need to at times. Imagine your whole life as the Lord's business that you're managing, okay? You're like the manager of like some awesome company, like Taco Bell or something. I don't know, I'm just joking. You know. you're, the, you're the CEO of like this awesome big company or something like that. You're managing what God has given to you, right? And so your family, your relationships, your marriage, your kids, your money, all of it is His. And our life is to live in honor of the Lord. And of course, when we follow Jesus, it's the best way to live. There's complete blessing there. But there are times, not to compartmentalize, but there are times to focus in on those different aspects of our life, to evaluate them, to set goals with them, and to look at how am I managing these things. And of course, I do this regularly. I'll probably talk about this more in the coming year. But, but the idea that, you know, I will look at my, my kids and I'll say, Lord, what are you saying about to me right now? How do I steward, how do I manage this responsibility and privilege, right? It's a blessing and a responsibility. That how do I manage them, right? Do you have the word of the Lord for the, area, for the various areas of your life? Do you have the, the word of the Lord for, for example, your kids? It's not just like, you know, oops, we've got three kids. No, we, the Lord spoke to us. In fact, I've actually been meditating on this recently. By the way, this random comment here. I remember when the Lord put it in my spirit to have three kids. I, never, I don't think I ever told Michelle that. She, she's, thinking, she's thinking it wasn't planned. No, I remember because I was, I, I, uh, the Lord was, I was actually hearing a message. There was a, a guy who was preaching. And there was something that stirred inside of me about, um, you know, that two is just addition and three is definitely multiply. No, I'm joking. It wasn't quite like that. Be fruitful, multiply. You know, two, just not cutting it. No, it wasn't quite that. What it hit me about the God's call to raise up a generation for himself. Well, that could be what Deb was ranting and raving about. Amen? We as a church are committed to the next generation. But I'm telling you, as I heard this man preach about the next generation, I, I don't even know if Emma was born, to be honest. I don't even know. But it was in my spirit. It was like, three kids. I, don't even, I didn't even really remember it because it wasn't necessarily in our, in our plans. But when we had Joshua recently, he was two months old, I knew in my spirit. Like there's something about him that completes us. My quiver is definitely full, if you know that verse. We are full. We're done. But uh, there is a sense that like this is what the Lord had. That God has a very specific assignment on each one of our kids. And he's given them to us to steward them. See, that's what I mean is, Lord, what are you saying about this? What are you saying about my marriage? Lord, what is it? How I'm to love my wife as Christ of the Trump, to lead my family. What are you saying about my finances? And so what we need to do here is we need to understand that he's the owner and I'm the manager. And so the Lord's blessing is, is upon us. And, but all his blessings, like for example, finances, that's a blessing, but it's also responsibility, isn't it? And we need to know how to steward or manage that realm in our life. And money is a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. 
It touches so much a part of our life, and that's why we need to believe the Lord to be our provider and look to the Lord for wisdom. And so I just want to talk to you today about um, management 101, just not real, um, not, not too uh, complicated. But I, I, I realized that, um, in fact, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you something here in 1 Peter chapter 1. The Lord spoke to me about this for you guys. The Lord showed me that there's just some areas that we need to adjust in this discussion of management, uh, uh, in, in managing. We could talk about it again from our whole life, but just right here in our finances, that we're believing God to pour out blessing. And, and if you haven't been with us this whole series, I, I want to tell you, one, things I, one of the things I've said is we don't, we don't budget out of fear or some sort of legalism. We budget out of faith. And we also, we don't... Um, we don't, uh, uh, we don't just, you know, keep cinching our belt. We believe God for abundance, too. Okay? And so, I just want to make sure you guys know that, that, that that's where we've been, and of course, that's where we're going. But I want you to see this in 1 Peter chapter 1. I, I love this. This is a very important verse. In the end of 1 Peter 1, it's um, in verse 17. We're going to read 17 to 19. Peter says this, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Of course, we're, we're citizens of heaven, right? We're pilgrims. We're on a journey, and we're to, we're to steward our life here in the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean like, oh, no, God doesn't like me. No, 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 it's just that God's my dad. Amen. All right? And we've talked about this, that everything regarding managing of finances or the wisdom of God uh, is, is, is in the context of the Father's house. We're not talking about a father who's mad at me. We're talking about a dad who likes me. He's proud of me. He delights in me. And any kind of wisdom or correction from the Lord, it, it comes to help us and to empower us. Amen? Amen? And to bring blessing to our life and to bring glory to his name. So he's our dad and we're, and we're stewarding, living in the fear of the Lord. But listen to this. Uh, uh, conduct your stay here and in the fear of the Lord and all that. Verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He's saying that we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We've been set free and we have been delivered by the blood of the lamb. Like it wasn't because we earned it. It's because it wasn't silver or gold. We didn't pay for it. It wasn't something that you like bought, you know, like you buy like a, you know, you buy your iPad and then it broke. So you gotta buy the ins- you gotta buy like the, ins- the warranty and the insurance and all that kind of stuff. And sooner or later it's gonna break. And sooner or later that version's gonna go out of date. So you're gonna have to buy a new one, right? Silver and gold perish. They're corruptible things. The things you buy in this life are corruptible things. They don't last, do they? Right? You buy a car and my goodness, then you gotta buy another one. I mean, you might cause that one car to last for a while, like I'm planning to do. I pray, I pray life over my car. I mean, not actually, I don't. Not really life, but like just longevity or something like that, you know? And I manage. You've got to manage the car, right? You've got to steward the, uh, the engine and all that. 
But basically, it says right here, it's not like you're going to have to buy an insurance on your salvation. It's not like it's going to run out and you're going to have to buy another one or something like that. This is not corruptible redemption bought with silver and gold. This is with the precious blood of Christ, right? That God became a human being, purchased us with his own blood. I mean, this is like the eternal price, been paid once for all, amen? But notice what he says here, what you've been redeemed from. It doesn't actually say redeemed from like demons, although praise God we've been delivered from demonic powers. It doesn't say you've been redeemed from sin, although that's good too. I mean, I guess it relates to sin. But listen to what he specifically says in verse 18. You have been redeemed from your aimless conduct received from tradition, by tradition from your fathers. What's that? NIV, your empty way of life handed down to you by your fathers. See, a lot of us, We've received a tremendous amount of, of uh, well, foolishness, bad management skills. Let's just be straight up about it. Many of us have never had anyone model to us how to manage finances. Many of us have never had anyone to help us. Hmm, let's see. The government sends a really good example. Oh, I shouldn't have said it like that. Oh, yeah, businesses. Businesses are really helping us to understand because, because they really have a long-term perspective. No, they don't. Businesses nowadays aren't going for that three-month profit and who could care less what are the ramifications. I mean, businesses nowadays, they really care about the longevity of our economy and their business. And they really care about the justice to their employees, huh? Aimless, empty ways of living handed down to us by traditions of human beings stupid human beings who think they know what they're doing. I know how to make a profit. I know how to run this business. I know how to run this government. And what's it doing? It's empty. It's aimless. How many of us, many of us have been raised in homes where debt was the norm. We, we didn't inherit abundance. We inherited debt. We didn't inherit a tremendous amount of skills in many areas. We, we're, we were inherited a lot of lack of skills. Okay? Now, that's not license to get angry. That would be the great invitation if that happened to you is to forgive. And let's receive from the Lord here. Right? That takes a process. I was just working with some friends of mine through that to be able to say, Lord, this is what I didn't receive. I release that to you. I forgive them. But do you hear what he says? You've been redeemed from that. That's not who you are anymore. Right? Psalm 145. Leave your, leave your uh, people in your father's house. There's a, there's, a, there's a point at which we must break away with the, uh, our allegiance with the brokenness of the home that we were raised in, if it was broken. I don't mean dishonoring our pe- family, but we have, must break away from our allegiance to things that were unwise or dysfunctional. The way that we talk to one another, the way that we relate to one This could apply, obviously, to our relationships, to our emotions, to the ways that we talk about ourselves, Right? Issues of rejection and self-hatred, grumbling, complaining, negativity, the way that we perceive our future, our identity, our worth, our value. I mean, I could go on and on, right? You guys flow with me, but with money, with money, how many of us had parents, many of us raised in fatherless homes, how many of us had fathers modeling how to manage money? How many of us had a vision for our finances? Praise God, we have a father now who does. Do you see what I'm saying? You live your life here as a son or a daughter of the king of the universe who is your father. Now see, that takes some work. And the scriptures come to equip us and to train us. And we need each other to model and to be examples to one another. Amen?
So what we need to do is set aside the empty way of living that was handed down to us and say, no, no, it ain't going to get handed down to me anymore. You know when you were adopted in the New, in the New Testament time, in Roman culture, when you were adopted, they, your past records were burned dead done. Like if you had debts, let's say you were a slave and you were in debt, Man, when you got adopted by this rich dude, like John's over here, some like aristocrat guy in the Roman Empire, and John's like, yo, Dave, come over here, be my son. Dude, change my name, burn my past records, no more debts. Amen? Do you understand that you've been adopted in the Father's house? You belong to the Lord. So I say, I ain't, I ain't in receiving that bad inheritance anymore. I'm going to receive my inheritance in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not some, some consequences that we still need to work out. But I want you to understand that as you come to the Lord and trust Him, His grace abounds to you, or sin abounds, grace all the more. You're not on your own, but you have the God who has all the wisdom and all the grace that you need to walk you through this, all right? So I just want to kind of download briefly Management 101 in the Father's house. Hang out with our dad and say, Dad, what do you want me to do here? Number one, I'm going to go through a bunch of Proverbs, but I don't think, you could jump over to the book of Proverbs and see if you can follow me, but I just don't think you're going to be able to follow me, so I'm going to have them throw them up here on the screen. Proverbs 10, 17. The first thing we want to do is we need to get training, get wisdom, get training. Let's say that you got hired to be the manager of Taco Bell, and being silly, right? Or, you know, and you've never been a manager. What do, they, what do they do? What does Taco Bell do? You know, you're like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. What does Taco Bell do? They send you to management school. You have an orientation. What happens when you get a new job? You go to orientation so you can get oriented and figure out, what am I supposed to do around here? We all need like an orientation when we're born again, don't we? Oh, wait, I think we have one of those in this church. Okay, so, but, um, but we... We, we need things like with our marriage or with our parenting skills or with our finance skills. That's why we have classes like that around here because we need training, right? Listen to what, uh, listen to what uh, Proverbs ten seventeen says. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. The, the, the man or the woman who refuses correction is called a fool in the Bible because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A wise person will embrace, embrace correction and instruction. Why? Because a wise person knows, I ain't that wise. I don't know. See, this area of money, things like parenting and money, nobody likes to be talked about. about that, didn't, that, that was bad English. Nobody wants anyone to talk to them about that, you know? Hey, don't talk about my, about my parenting skills. You want to know why? Because it's so sensitive. It's so sensitive, it's scary. Because there's something inside of us that says, you know, I don't want to know that I've messed up. I don't want people to know that I've messed up. I've got to look good here. And that, I don't know what it is. I'm sure we could psychoanalyze it. But I don't know what it is, but there is something about money that people, they just don't want you to poke at that area. And, and they don't want to open up and talk about it and be like, yeah, like this is the way I do my money. Like, no, people don't want to talk about it. And that's a problem. And the first thing we need is to open our hearts in humility and, 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 and receive training. Like, I could just end right now. Like, that's that right there. If you would just all leave this room and just go get training in this particular area, it'd solve a lot of things. You notice that it says, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life. But he who refuses correction has gone astray. Gone astray from what? Life. Do you know that correction, receiving correction, learning, humbling myself to be Corrected, meaning I was wrong, 
and now I'm going to receive wisdom that I don't have, is the way of life. That means you're not, you're, 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 that's how you, how you grow, how you gain life. You, you, begin to, you begin to hide areas in your life. You begin to say like, I'm not going to open up about this. I'm not gonna, I got it all together in this area. And you begin to walk in your own wisdom. And the Bible says, man, you're not even living. You, you are missing out on what, what God could do in your life. And not only that, you're setting yourself up for some major problems. What's the opposite of life? Death. You're setting yourself up for some destructive things. And I'm telling you, this happens all the time. You know, people are like, I hear God. I hear God, you know. Dave told me, we hear God around here, so I don't have to listen to anyone else. My goodness, man, we have so many blind spots in our life. We have so much foolishness going on inside of us. Yeah, we need to hear God. That's why we need to hear God, because we got foolishness. We need to hear the Lord through each other. We need wisdom from the Word of God modeled through each other. Man, it needs to come from 20 different directions. I mean, that, that, that extreme, that, that, that mentality that like, oh, I hear the Lord, so I don't need to listen to people, you know? I mean, it's funny. You know, people do that nowadays. Y'all go up to them and... I'll give them some words of wisdom and they're like, I prayed about that. I don't feel like that's from the Lord. I'm thinking, you should pray again. (laughs) Because I was right. You know, it's (laughs) No, I mean, you know, listen, listen, Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Right in his own eyes. That's why God gave us a whole book so that we couldn't get around it. You know what I'm saying? That's why we read our Bible every day, because you know, that way it's like right there in my face so I can know that I can't make excuses. Listen to this about Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. A lot of us were not raised with the kind of modeling or instruction or correction that we actually needed. And so foolishness, guess what? I'm sorry to say, is still bound up in a lot of our hearts. There's, there's 40, 50-year-old men who act like kids in many areas of their life. Or maybe it's one particular area because of a woundedness or because of a lack in that particular area. Hey, there's nothing to feel ashamed about. Let's receive the grace of God, the forgiveness of the Lord, and let's receive the redemption from that empty way of life. And let the Lord speak and deal with those areas of our life. Proverbs 19.27, Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. It's not just an issue of that you received instruction one time. You know, let's say five years from now, you, uh, it's just your finances just aren't going so great. Hey, brother, how you doing? You know, how's the finances going? Yeah, I've been making some really bad choices. Hey, you know what? You know what would be really good, man? You know, FPU, Financial Peace University, really good wisdom. You should do that. Dave Ramsey's really good. Oh, I already did that already. So how are your finances doing? I've really been making some bad choices. So you should check out that Dave Ramsey thing. I already did that before. Cease listening to the words of wisdom you will go astray from the words of knowledge. It's not just I learned it one time. I already went through that. I already been discipled. You know? I already, I already, you, we need the wisdom of God pounding our hearts. We need people around us speaking words of life. We need to maintain things, right? You didn't like brush your teeth like a week ago. You know, honestly, you know. Well, maybe some of you did. Hey, how you doing? Whoa, when's the last time you showered? When's the last time you brush your teeth? You know what I'm saying? Like we do it all the time. Do you, man, my goodness. If, if we spend time with God like we shower or like we eat food, now we'd have a good relationship with God, huh? Because we'd recognize we need to maintain. We need to keep fostering things. If we dealt with our finances, right, the way that we deal with other areas, 
There wouldn't be so many gaps or errors we need to maintain. There is a sense of continually going back to wisdom, continually receiving instruction, continually staying in the Word of God. Obviously, I mentioned one of the big things that you could do. Financial Peace University, I mean, it's something that we do with Dave Ramsey. Go to DaveRamsey.com and check out his seven baby steps. I mean, free resources, right? You could buy his book. Listen to what Proverbs 8 says. Receive my instruction and not silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Oh, I just can't really afford that $100 to go to the Financial Peace University class. I can't afford $10 to buy a book so I could change my financial situation because I'm in debt. Uh, No. It's because you think money is going to solve your problems. That's called the deceitfulness of wealth. Wisdom will solve your problems. God... And his leadership, and as he imparts wisdom to you, is what's going to solve those things. And so, literally, all, this is why, I, this is not the place, honestly, Sunday morning is not the place for me to like give all the little, little tiny instructions. This, play, this, this gathering is a place we build up our faith. You know, you know what you do when you leave here? You go and you buy that book, you go, get into that class, you go onto the internet and you check it out, right? There's so much information out there on the internet, if you really want to learn. Amen? That's the thing. I don't have to like give you like the 10 steps to whatever. You can go like Google it. They're out there. And as, long as, as long as you balance it with the Word of God. Oh, you could read the book of Proverbs. Get out of here, really? All the wisdom you need from your father right there in the book of Proverbs. It really is. It's loaded with wisdom, right? Proverbs a day. Keep stupid away. <clears throat> All right. So I know that it's tough to open up about these things. And I know a lot of times people feel like they've got it all together. But the wisest thing we could do is go after learning. Get training as a manager of God's resources. What's your motivation? To honor Him. I want to manage this. I want to get training and I want to get skill so that I could live for your glory and honor you and bless you, right? And that abundance will flow and then I'll give, I'll have an abundance for every good work. Number two is do everything with integrity. Walk in integrity. Wisdom and character are inseparable. I could go proverb after proverb of how wisdom and righteousness are interrelated. You cannot have wisdom without character. I personally think that like 90% of things like leadership, you know, like, man, like leading an organization or something like that, I think 90% is character. Relational skills, attitude, da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Character or integrity is, is, is the whole who you are. It's who you are on the inside. And, and when I say walk in integrity, I mean that if you don't have integrity, you're not wise. Okay? You could have skill in some particular, I'm a good CEO, I can make lots of money, I'm an entrepreneur. But if you don't have integrity, you're cutting corners, you're cheating your, your, employee, your employees or your customers, right? You're, 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 you're hiding things. I didn't lie, yeah, but you didn't tell the truth. You're hiding things, you're stealing. Well, I didn't steal, I just you know, put down 38 hours instead of 40 I mean, I worked 38, but I put down 40, I mean. That's stealing. You're stealing hours. You're stealing money from your employer, right? These issues of integrity, it will, it will cause things to fall apart in your life. And, of course, the blessing of the Lord won't be on it. And my point is that you can gain skill in so many areas of your life, and if you don't have integrity, you've missed the, the very core of that skill. And oftentimes, the very reason why sometimes, a lot of times we don't press into various skills, like managing certain things or, or doing certain things. A lot of times we don't press into it because of a lack of integrity. So it goes hand in hand. The, the issue is <clears throat> that uh, trust, 
is the foundation of every relationship. If we don't trust each other, we can't have a relationship. Okay, you want a promotion in your work? You know, you want your, your boss to give you more opportunities? It's trust. Can I trust you? We, you know, management 101. Am I going to hire somebody that's like really good at managing, but I know steals money? No. Do I want character or do I want competence? Both. <laughs> right? Yeah. I want character and competence. I want somebody who's... But guess what? If I'm going to pick between one or the other, and I do all the time, guess what I pick? Character. I can train competence. But integrity of heart? That's a, that's, a, that's a rare commodity nowadays, isn't it? And what do we train our children in public schools nowadays? We separate information from morality, don't we? We separate skills from integrity. And it, wow, that's funny. And then they become Enron executives. And then they become politicians. Do whatever you can to get yours, right? Bottom line, dollar, dollar, dollar. Really? No. That is short-sighted. That is narrow-minded. Any person who has, quote-unquote, skills, wisdom, remember wisdom is skill for living, but lacks integrity, is blind. Uh, what does uh, one of the Proverbs say? That the, uh, the man who walks in wickedness, he walks in darkness, he doesn't know what he stumbles over. He doesn't even realize that there's something right there he's going to stumble over. This is Proverbs chapter 10, 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. You know, I wonder if much of the anxiety and struggle that we go through on the inside is actually because we don't have the security of integrity. You know, I'm not afraid that the policeman's going to pull me over because I'm not doing anything wrong. Now, if they do, and you know, that, you know, of course, you know, I might look like the mass murderer or something. No, I'm joking. I mean, I'm being silly, but I, you know, I'm not worried that the government's going to come and audit me. Bring it on! You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Remember I told you that, like, uh, uh, if somebody, if the average person in America gives 2%. So anyone who's actually tithing is like giving, it's like raising a red flag, right, with the government. I was like, man, I must be raising some red flags with the government, you know what I'm saying? Bring it on. Man, you don't, I can write off so much stuff, like it's awesome, you know? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, hey, give to God what's God, and give to Caesar's what's Caesar's. But don't give more than what's Caesar's, right? But give to God what's God's. But here's the deal. Do you know what integrity is? Paying your bills, paying your dues. Okay, now see, if you buy something, even if it's on credit, which that would be unwise, you promise to pay that back. Okay, you take a school loan out, you promise to pay that back. Where's the faithfulness? Where's the integrity to, to pay what's due, right? Taxes. You live in this, cover, this country, you promise to pay taxes. Insurance, you're driving your car around. Guess what? You promise to have insurance, pay registration. That's called integrity. Do you see what I'm saying? That's called honesty. And there are so many gaps sometimes in our life. Man, no wonder we don't walk in security, right? Man who walks in integrity walks securely. Securely. I'm, I'm not worried. You know what I'm saying? I'm not worried because I'm doing it the way the Lord has me walking it. <clears throat> listen to this the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it see the Lord's blessing is on the one that would put their heart right you know let's say you've been making some bad choices or you've been walking in lack of integrity well confess your sin he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin right 
he's looking at your heart. You don't think that like, oh, God's going to be mad at me until I get that issue dealt with. No, he's, he, he's pleased with you when you get your heart right with him and you start working on it. But the person who's really put their right, heart right before the Lord is, is not somebody who's like, yeah, I know that's a problem. Yeah, I know that's a problem. I know that's a problem. I know I really got to get that dealt with. It's a person who's going to deal with it and get a plan, right? And work with God. But here's what I want you to understand. You're not doing it in your own human effort. You're not trying to strive and fix that problem on your own. Just get your heart right before the Lord. Walk in integrity before Him. And the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He's going to give you the provision, the wisdom, the grace to be able to help you get out of those things, all right? Uh, integrity are issues of like, like I said, accountability and being honest, being faithful, issues of honor. Uh, uh, like I said, issues of not stealing or lying and issues of pure motives, doing everything with love and faithfulness, right? Proverbs chapter three, let love and faithfulness be bound around your heart. I love Proverbs twenty-seven eighteen. whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master will be honored. Okay, and I could go into your words that you speak over your employer and over your boss. Do you know how you gain honor? you know how you gain promotion in life in general, but especially in areas like if somebody's your boss? You serve them. You speak life over them. You honor them. You embrace their vision and run with it. Doesn't mean you can't disagree. All right? Maybe you, 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 you speak to them apart when no one's there, but you honor them. That will gain trust. Honor is how you, and serving is how you gain the trust of one who is your authority. This is how integrity, this is how righteousness works. And like I said, trust is the foundation of every relationship. Integrity is the foundation of trust. Without character, I can't trust you. And therefore, we can't have a relationship. Right? All right. I told you I was going to hit hard on a couple of things, Yeah? Oh, I had a good illustration. We've got to keep moving here. Number three, strategy. We need a strategy. We need diligence, and we need to diligently plan and implement a strategy. This is the skill, I think, that lacks in, in so many, and yet the Lord would want to impart this kind of wisdom. And this is the kind of, this part right here, this strategy, is where you probably need the most modeling, the most uh, uh, guidance, but it's, it could, for, for example, because it's in the areas of things like budgeting. It's, it, budgeting is simply having a plan for your money. Look, look at what Proverbs, I love this Proverbs, one of my favorite in terms of uh, the subject. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Hasty is just doing things based on your emotions, you know? Just like, I don't know where my money's going. I just feel like buying that thing. You know what I'm saying? You know, hasty, just making decisions, just haphazardly or without a plan or based on emotions or fear or guilt or whatever else instead of being led by the Lord and setting a plan. Diligent people rule. Lazy people become slaves, i.e. debt, right? Diligent people prosper. Laziness brings poverty. Diligence, though, is not like, you know, I'm the greatest guy in the whole world. Diligence means I'm going to diligently serve my boss. Diligent means I'm going to go after God. Diligent means like earlier what I was talking about, about maintenance. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to shower. I'm going to manage my finances. That's diligence. The moment you start neglecting some area of your life, man, those dishes pile up quick. That BO starts multiplying quick. I mean, 
The moment you don't manage something, it begins to decay. And that's just the way life works. It's the way money works. It's the way all these different things work. So diligence, just sticking on it and diligent going after these things. But what I love about the diligent in Proverbs 21.5 is the diligent plan. Budgeting is having a plan for my money, telling my money where it's going to go rather than my money telling me where to go. It's the same thing I do with having a plan for my time. Every person has 24 hours in a day. And no, we're not going to get another day. There's no way there's going to be eight, eight days or 27 hours. Like, there's just not possible. So the whole point is how to manage it. That's what I love about time. It's simply managing and stewarding this time that God has given me to do the assignment that he's called me to. So I first hear the Lord and get a vision and, and set goals. This is what God is calling me to. This is the assignment. And then based on that assignment, I schedule my time. But it's the same thing with your money. We need a vision. And what, what does the Proverbs say? Without vision, people perish. So often people don't have a vision. Do you have a vision to buy your car? Cash? No. So we don't plan for it. And then the car breaks down. Then we have to buy it on credit. Do you have a vision to give your children, children's children an inheritance? That's what the Proverbs say. It's not necessarily a command, but listen, I love this proverb. It says, the, um, it's somewhere around here. It says, uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Do we have a vision for two generations financially? What about spiritually? Of children's children? The reason we don't plan to save with an aggressiveness is so we don't have a vision. Without vision, people perish. The word literally means squander, wander around. Right? Listen, listen to what it says here in... Um, in uh, in Proverbs 21.20, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Foolishness is a lack of planning, a hastiness, and so there leads to a squandering, a wastefulness of the resources that God has given to us. And yet the wise person knows how to store them up, where to store them up, how to do this the right way, and plan it out. In their culture, oil was that necessity. It was what they cooked with, it was what they lit lamps with, it was the necessity and it's the, it's the ability to manage. I'm only going to use this much oil today and this much oil tomorrow. It's the management and the stewarding and the planning and the budgeting so that I have a store of it, so that I have treasures stored up, so that in my life there can be blessings, short-term needs like a new car or, or the maintenance on the car or whatever else, right? Or the house that I want to buy. But even the bigger vision of children's children inheritance. Now, inheritance doesn't just mean when you die. It can mean Dude, this is, this is what I'm believing God for. Can you imagine what it would be like to send your kids' kids to college? Wow. Yeah. Children's children. You're like, oh, I don't, I can't do that. Hey, stop that. Believe God for abundance. There is nothing in the natural tells me that I could give a, my uh, 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 money to my children's children in that way that I just said. I believe God for abundance. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to manage what I have because if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in the much. So I'm going to manage what I have and believe God that he would bless me in such a way as to give an inheritance to my children's children. That's exciting to me. That's vision. Okay? Now, I don't even know if I fully understand it, to be honest with you. But I know where to start. And again, where you start with is a budget, is a plan. Um. What are the kind of things you need in your, in your budget? The first thing, obviously, you would have is giving, your tithe and your giving, right? We honor the Lord with our first fruits. Second thing is you would pay off your bills and your taxes and your debts and things like that. Listen to Proverbs 13, 7, and 8. This is a really big one. I want you guys to listen to this. 
And I think we need to live by this in a big way. This is integrity. Render therefore to all their due. There it is. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Hey, that's a great verse for getting out of debt in the sense that like, we're not supposed to be indebted. There's other Proverbs that talk about the foolishness of, 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 of debt, especially consumer debt. I'm not saying you can't invest in like a house or, or a business or something like that. But this scripture is talking about if you owe somebody something, you pay it back. Maybe some dude that you owed a hundred bucks to a long time ago, and he's not going to send a collection agency. Hey, talk to God about it. If the Lord releases you, that's one thing, but come on. Let's, let's be righteous, right? Let's be integrous. But the deal is here is that we, make, we, get, we, 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 we pay our dues. And so the, the, we want to give to the Lord first, and we want to pay what's due. There are strategies that Dave Ramsey talks about. It's right there on his internet. Uh, the snowball method to take out your debt. A lot of times we feel overwhelmed with it, but the Lord is with you. And his blessing makes one rich. He can give you the strategy to take down that debt fast. Another thing that's essential if you're going to budget is to simplify. You've got to simplify. Most of the time, people who, who don't want to budget, it's because, well, I don't want to not, I don't want to go to the star, I want to go to Starbucks, I want to go to the 7-Eleven, I want to buy this, I want to buy that. You're probably not going to, you're going to have to say no to some of that stuff. Most of us. Most of us are going to have to say no. Listen to what Proverbs 21:17 says, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The love of money is the root of all evil. You desire to get rich, greed is a snare. When you make that your goal, it will take you out. But when your goal is the fear of the Lord and to honor God, oh, the blessing, amen? It depends on which one's your goal. Listen to this one, Proverbs 13, 7. There is one who makes himself rich yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor yet has great riches. There's one who lives like a rich man, but he's really poor. That's called most Americans. That's false affluence. But there's a man who makes himself poor, but he's really rich. And I had, my family and Michelle's family modeled this to us. They did not have the nicest stuff. They, they were upper middle class families. My, they're both retired now and they live well now. They're upper, upper middle class. Praise God for that blessing. But it, they didn't have the boat and the nice car and the house they couldn't pay for. And boom, and then up oh, the foreclosure and the, oh, it's the, they came and got the boat. That's not how it worked for us. Praise God, because that's what ha- happened a lot in the 80s, and that's what's happening a lot now, right? What did they model to us? They modeled simplicity, and they gave, and they modeled simplicity, and they saved. And let me tell you, they ain't eating Alpo and you know stuff like that as retired folk, okay? They are traveling because they saved, saved, saved. And so they modeled to us that, um, that abundance isn't just like, you know, tomorrow I'm going to win the lottery. Dave Ramsey recommends, number one, get $1,000 in your emergency savings. Pay off all your debt using the snowball method. Get three to six months of expenses and savings. Save 15% to your retirement once you're able to have your savings built up. Save for your kid's college. Pay off your house early. Build wealth. Give extravagantly. Those are his seven baby steps. What's the point? You start... By saying, I'm going to cut and simplify, I'm going to get some emergency savings, and then I'm going to start tackling that debt. Once that's out, then I start building this wealth. 
And you, you all know, when you've got debt, you're paying more for stuff than, you, than it's worth. And it's eating away. But when you, start, get, when you get rid of that and you start saving, it can grow exponentially. And that's the brilliance of that kind of wisdom. Um, I just, I, I want to end with this, but um, it, there are a number of people in this church that could give you wisdom in terms of how to budget. And of course, you could easily just take the class or get Dave's book or whatever, Dave Ramsey's book. Uh, but I, I, I'd sit down with anyone. You know, I'm working on the budget for this year for the church right now. That's what we do. We don't just, oh, well, you know, we just figure it out, you know? Like my homeowners association. My homeowners association, they budget like X amount of dollars. This is our budget. And yet we all know that only like two-thirds of the people pay their homeowners association. That's ridiculous. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't make a budget on what I think people are going to, you know, <laughs> give or whatever. Man, we got to steward what's there. All right, we pull our resources together because we're a family on mission together. I'm not like, well, you know, I'd really like for God to provide $50,000 to this church's budget, so we're just going to like budget based on that, and you know, that's ridiculous, man, you've steward what you got, right? So my homeowner association, hopefully they're starting to cut back and actually just budget what we have. Same thing with Michelle and I, you take what we actually have. You know, when we bought our, um, we bought our first house in 2002, three, something like that, 2003, I was looking at our finances back then, it was hilarious, let me tell you, Michelle and I made both like... an hour each, maybe $11 an hour each, something like that. And, um, and, you know, we chose, for us, simplicity, I was talking about simplicity, for us, simplicity, we chose that because of ministry as well, okay? Uh, But a lot of us need to choose it because what if the economy gets worse? Do you know what the best thing you could ever do to prepare for the economy to get worse, if it were, and it probably will? No debt and have savings, you know, that's what any, any like, any, anyone will tell you that. Anyone. And here we have clear warnings, I think, from the Lord and from economists that things might get worse. And we have promises from God of abundance. Man, it's time. Do you see what I'm saying? It's time to make those adjustments, make those sacrifices and get ready. Can you imagine? Man, oh, something hits. Man, I got an abundance. I've got a store of oil. I've got some treasure because I can pull from that. Michelle and I, we had, you know, making 10, 11 bucks an hour both. It was back when we had kids. I was looking at my, our budget from 2004. I keep all the records and everything in my computer. And I was like, man, man we, we did live simply. and We didn't have many expenses. And you know, as the Lord has brought kids to us, he has brought the finances. Because it's funny, even though we live simply, man, I, nobody could tell me I don't have abundance. It's funny how I'm a pastor living in Southern California and my wife doesn't bring in any income because she's investing in our kids right now. Again, that's a value base. That's a spirit-led thing. That's not a, oh, we're going to have this big house, you know. No, just being spirit-led. I'm cool with women working, by the way. I just, this is, it's a team effort. It's a team effort in the home. But this is what her part of the, of her playing that role right now, okay? It's funny, huh? And yet, I'm sending my kid to, a, I'm not boasting, I'm just saying abundance here. I'm sending my kid to a Christian private school, and my wife doesn't work, and I own a home. Like, that's abundance. Does you see what I'm saying? But here's where it started. So when I'm like, in 2003, we're making 10, 11 bucks an hour. Man, we cut. We put all this money into savings, and then we bought a house. We bought a house when things were like just kind of picking up, right? I believe we were spirit-led. Started with lots of prayer and fasting for his kingdom, not for the house. We weren't like fasting for the house. We were seeking the Lord for his kingdom. And then we said, okay, well, let's look at this house, you know. And we, let me tell you, what was happening in 2003? People getting in over their head, right? Adjustable mortgage rates, uh, buying houses they couldn't afford, etc., etc. Why is it that Michelle and I didn't fall into that trap? 
Because when they told me you can get a loan for X amount of dollars, did I believe them? No, I didn't believe them. They, I laughed. <laughs> you guys are stupid. <laughs> what? No, I said, uh-uh. I did the math. I have a budget. This is how much we can afford for this house. And if we can't find it, we ain't buying a house. And guess what? It's not going to be the best looking house. Man, we had a prefab thing was falling down. No, no, it was okay. Praise God. It was a huge blessing. Came with the washer and dryer, refrigerator, and we couldn't even afford those things. And the Lord blesses with that, right? So we, on a small amount of money, people, oh, I can't. We did not have debt. But with a little bit of money, we bought that house. And as the Lord led us, we sold it as the market began to plateau. Because we, I believe it's because we were being spirit-led and we were paying attention to some things, whereas maybe other people weren't. And we got out of that house and we bought another house. We made a lot of money in equity. I only share that to say, one, be led by the Spirit. Two, I got a covenant with God. <laughs> but also, manage. Simplify, cut, cut, cut to what you can. And, and put, save, put things into savings. This last week or two, I've been like working on not just having a budget, but every month having a cash flow plan. Like literally mapping out every single month for the next year. And I was able to tell Michelle, you know what? I believe in 2014 we would buy another new used car if we need to. And, and I was able to say that because I'm planning further out to more detail. We've just moved to the cash envelope system that Dave encourages because we had this budget, but, you know, we kind of stuck to it. The, optim- the key word, kind of. But now we're like, no, we're going to stick to the envelope method. We're going to be all hardcore, you know? My point is, the more that we plan, the more that we're diligent, the more we stick to things, the more we can save, the more we can do what God has called us to. Vacation, whatever. And not on credit. Amen? Let's stand up.